what a weekend for boxing it has been. I made some accurate predictions, some that had people thinking I was crazier than usual, but once again, showing that I do know what I'm talking about. I'm Andrew Schweitzer, and you're listening to the Boxing for Free podcast. Guillermo Rigandau scored a one-sided decision against Joseph Egbeko, winning every round on the judges' scorecards in what many are calling a dreadfully boring, boring fight. If you thought that Rigandau had a hard time getting opponents and uh, you know appearing on TV after his beatdown of Nonito Donaire, imagine how long it'll be before he's back on TV after this. I mean, you had an opponent who hadn't been very active he I think he had only one fight previous this year he had all of 2012 off after those two losses to Abner Mares and all you can do is just score a 12 round unanimous decision I hear that Agbeko didn't really do anything to really make it a fight that he didn't let his hands go at all that it was very similar to when Pacquiao fought Joshua Claudi that he just would put his hands up I didn't see the fight you know I was extremely tired that night I had been working midnight so give me a break uh, James Kirkland re- returned from obscurity by defeating the undefeated Glenn Tapia, stopping him in the sixth round of a bout that was all Kirkland and which had a lot of people saying should have been stopped much sooner. According to a few people on Twitter, Tapia's corner at one point uh, told Steve Smoger that this was, quote, just a sparring session and all they were doing was just giving him pep talks to somehow maybe uh, rally the inner Rocky inside of him and maybe score the upset, but it just didn't happen. I can't believe that somebody would say that, you know, during a fight, oh, this is just a sparring session. You say that during a Vladimir Klitschko fight. You say that during a Floyd Mayweather fight. You don't say that when James Kirkland has Ann Wolf in his corner and he's in there beating the living hell out of you. I would love to know if uh, Tapia had any sparring sessions previous in his career that resulted in him going to the hospital afterwards. Jeez. This is just a sparring session. Oh my god, then I guess this was just a paycheck for you, buddy. Two of Brooklyn's biggest big mouth boxers, now try saying that five times fast, Polly Malinaji and Zab Judah faced off last night. I saw that a lot of people were going with Zab, and when I picked Polly, uh, Justin, who uh, runs boxing for free, he thought I was crazy, except he didn't want to hurt my feelings, and he only told me that afterwards. But in all honesty, there is a lot more wear and tear on Zab Judah than there is on Polly. And you have to remember that Pauly looked better than most people expected against uh, Adrian Broner. And I think one judge even had him winning the fight. I know some people say that it could have gone to Pauly. But either way, like I said, more wear and tear on Zab than there is on Pauly. And he proved it by outboxing Judah. And he won with scores of 116 to 111 and 117 to 110 twice. Although... Given the shorts that Polly was wearing, if you show up to fight in something like that, you better know how to fight. I saw so many people uh, on Twitter commenting about those shorts, and when I looked them up, I actually burst out laughing. Those 
I, yeah, I'm sorry. If I were a professional boxer, no way in hell am I ever go- would I ever wear something like that. They they look ridiculous, but I mean, if if Paulie feels that he can pull it off with them, then fine, let him. I mean, it obviously worked. Saki Obika made the first defense of his WBC super middleweight title against Anthony Durrell, who is the brother of uh, Milk Carton. Uh, uh, milk carton tenant Andre Durrell by battling to a 12-round draw. I I haven't seen that fight. I uh, I haven't found any links to it yet on YouTube, so I can't really say if a draw was warranted or not, and who really deserved to win this fight. Uh, Durrell was very upset by the decision, and he wants a rematch. Sakio Bika uh, wants bigger names in the division. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. The only real big name he fought in the division was um, Andre Ward. They fought... Uh, it wasn't really even part of the Super 6 tournament. There there was uh, that problem when Andre Durrell pulled out and Ward needed to fight, so they brought in Bika. And it, I, I think Ward won every round, but I don't hear a lot of people talking about that fight ever, although... To be fair, you don't hear a lot of people talking about Andre Ward fights at all. However, uh, the fight I really want to talk about is my man Arislan Dilara dominating former 154-pound champion Austin Trout. A lot of people seem to finally be wising up to what I have been saying for the past 18 months. That Lara is a beast and has the potential to be the main man at 154 pounds. A lot of people I know were upset about the controversial ending to his last fight with Alfredo and Gulo. And if you need reminding of that, that was not a thumb poke. That was a punch. I, do I need to play Three Stooges clips again? <laughs> anyway, it was a punch that did that. And they were upset because it looked like Angulo still had a puncher's chance of coming back and knocking, um, and knocking Lara out. But... He was able to hang in there, and he didn't need to hang in there against Trout because he was beating him up. He knocked him down, and he hurt Trout when he knocked him down. And Trout just looked like a beaten man. And to his credit, he didn't complain, didn't make excuses. Kind of like the unicorn of boxing. It's like, whoa, when do you see that? But um, I know that people were booing the action during the first round, but I don't care. I really don't care about that. I've said before that he can make a good fight, and obviously you're beating up Austin Trout, you knock him down, you're doing something right. And also, Lara did the right thing. I told him uh, a long time ago that whenever he beats somebody, he should call out Canelo Alvarez. That's what he did last night. He called out Canelo Alvarez and said, you know, I beat this guy that you beat who gave you some problems. I beat him with great ease. So how come the how come the two of us don't fight? And if you think I'm gonna stop beating that drum, you thought uh, you thought incorrectly. I'll just put it that way. Uh, there are a lot of people on Twitter right now who are calling for a fight between Canelo Alvarez and Arislandi Lara to be made. And let's see what Oscar De La Hoya says about this next year. Although, come on. Do, do you really think that Oscar De La Hoya is going to pretend that he remembers that he promotes both Lara and Alvarez? Lara deserves a title shot. 
it, it would be nice to see uh, a rematch maybe between him and Carlos Molina because those two fought to a draw, and now Carlos Molina has a title at 154 pounds after he beat Ishe Smith. So let's see what happens in the new year. Shane Mosley announced his retirement from the sport following his TKO loss to Anthony Mundine in Australia, which was a fight that had the whole boxing world asking, who cares about this? The, the, the fight, I mean. I mean, I didn't care about Anthony Mundine versus Shane Mosley. There were some problems, and then it was canceled, and I thought that it was maybe an early Christmas present to me and maybe the whole boxing world, but no, the fight happened. Nobody cared about it. Mosley got back spasms and had to re quit in the first round, so that's the first and only TKO loss, or even a KO loss. Who cares? TKO, KO loss on his record, so he lost that title of, you know, never being knocked out, never being stopped, and all because of freaking back spasms. Who cares, and why did this need to happen? Mosley cited that this is a young man's game, and that he's looking forward to working as a trainer. Now, my real question is, where was this talk a few years ago? Why wasn't he saying this after he lost to Alvarez and Manny Pacquiao. I'm glad that he's retired, and I really sincerely hope that he enjoys it and that he doesn't struggle financially or anything. I just wish he hadn't waited so long to do so. Anyway, uh, that's the fights that happened this weekend that I want to talk about. Let's look forward to uh, next week's big fight. Um, does anybody know what they're calling it again? Call Kenny Loggins, because you're in the danger zone. That's it, danger zone. The WBA welterweight championship fight between undefeated champion Adrian Broner and hard-hitting contender Marcos Maidana. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't get over the, the, the fact that they're calling it danger zone. If you watch the show, Archer, you understand where, where I'm coming from, but, uh... <laughs> Wow. Kudos to whoever came up with that name. I, I love it. Seriously, can we get H. John Benjamin to be the uh, ring announcer for that fight? That would be awesome. That would that would be the coolest thing that Showtime could do. Cause you're in the uh danger zone! Okay, okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stop for a bit. Um anyway. In the build-up to this fight, last night Showtime released another all-access series, this time focusing, obviously, on Broner and Maidana. Now, uh, Maidana, you know, doesn't speak English, so we gotta use the subtitles. I'm gonna go over this series as quickly as I can, point out some stuff that, you know, I might find interesting or incredibly stupid, and there is one very very stupid moment but I'll get to that when it happens so let's start all access Broner versus Maidana so the episode opens with uh, Adrian Broner and his entourage at an airport he's goofing around acting like a clown and you know stuff you would expect from Adrian Broner well you can get up and be like damn I want to go here and in a few hours you there that's a hell of a life Some fighters consider their promotional obligations a chore. Not Broner. He relishes this opportunity to sell himself. 
Though only 24 in front of the camera, he's an old pro. You're fighting a guy, Marcus Maidana, who's made a career out of knocking people out. It's going to be a crazy fight. Marcos Madonna, he's going to come to fight. He's a knockout artist, but sky's the limit for me. They talk about how Broner's had a great year, how he's 24 and he's a three-division champion, and how after when he won his last fight, he went on a rap tour. Now, I had no idea that Adrian Broner is a rapper. I've never heard anybody mention his rapping. I... I, I just don't follow the rap scene, so I have no idea. Neither do most of the people that I know. So, if you know of Adrian Broner's rap career as well as his boxing career, please let me know. After moving up two weight classes to win his third title, he celebrated by going on tour with hip-hop royalty, including T.I., Lil Wayne, and Soldier Boy. Now, while I do know very little about the rap hip-hop scene, I do know enough that... I don't think Soldier Boy is really hip-hop royalty. Maybe he was, like, for three months in the summer of 2007, but come on. The dude is maybe two or three years away from appearing on Dancing with the Stars, and you know your career is in the crapper when you're appearing on a show that has to remind people that you used to be a celebrity. We also get a look at uh, Broner's family life. <clears throat> yeah, um... Growing up, I believe it said that he had eight brothers, or that there were eight boys, and that uh, his father used to have them box in the backyard. What I want to know, the truth is, Adrian Broner bragging about all his money, does his family, his do, do his parents still live in that demilitarized zone of a neighborhood in Cincinnati, or has he said, you know what, I'm going to do something for you guys here, you know, I'm going to help you get a new house that's in a nicer neighborhood so that people don't confuse you for you know surviving the nuclear horror from Terminator 2 Judgment Day I mean that that's what I wanna know um All Access also highlights his friendship with Floyd Mayweather Jr. Like Floyd he loves putting on a show uh -oh. Uh -oh. they share an aptitude for the business of beatdown not just the fight but the flair. Floyd Mayweather's a big brother to me. He's a mentor. He's somebody I can talk to about anything. Keep pressing, keep pressing, keep pressing. Every day, you know, Adrian called me and asked me about different things. You know, he wants to become a pay-per-view star. You know I'm the best? He has the remedy, but he has to know when to turn it on and when to turn it off. Now, before uh, people can start thinking that this show is actually supposed to be titled the Adrian Broner Half Hour Special, uh, Showtime remembered, oh yeah, Marcos Maidana is in this too. Let's get some footage of him. Just 300 miles away, but far removed from the Las Vegas Strip, Oxnard, California is known for the production of two things, strawberries and prize fighters. It's the latter that drew a country boy all the way from a tiny town in Argentina. Now, like I said, Maidana doesn't speak English, so it's going to be very hard for um, me to play any uh, audio of him because, like I said, how the heck are you going to do subtitles on a show that's all audio? So, <clears throat> I'm going to do my best to, uh, you know, just translate what he said and uh, then go over it for you. Maidana starts by saying that he's not really used to having cameras follow him all the time, so he's actually a bit shy. But he later opens up and says that he finds this very similar 
to when he fought Victor Ortiz. You have somebody who's being groomed as a future superstar, and he's just being brought in as an opponent. He made his American debut coming off his first loss. Maidana was the designated opponent. Fresh meat for a popular fighter being groomed for pay-per-view stardom. Yo vine como para que Ortiz gane. Me trajeron para que pierda, porque Ortiz era la figurita de aquí. But here comes the power of Ortiz. Ortiz put him down in the first round. Everything according to plan. But then, with his very next combination, Maidana knocked the American star to the canvas. The real problem I have with that fight is really the way it ended, and I think that's uh, that's the way that uh, Victor Ortiz quit in that fight. It really affected people's reputation of that because they just saw that that's the fight where Victor Ortiz could have come back and won, but he just gave up. But they really seem to forget about how Maidana got knocked down and decided to come back and give Ortiz hell just a second later. I mean, that, that was a great round. I think that, that round was actually named Round of the Year by Ring Magazine for that year. It's too bad. As the fight wore on, the shots El Chino took incited something relentless in him. And as Maidana was transformed, so was Ortiz. His face became a quilt of bruises, a bloody crescent over his eye. The fight was stopped in the sixth round. Um, are we gonna say why the fight was stopped in the sixth round, or are we just gonna leave it at that? Why, why don't, let's be nice to Victor Ortiz, let's just leave it at that. It was a signature win. The more you hurt El Chino, the more dangerous he became. The boxing world took notice. We knew nothing about him until the day that he beat Victor Ortiz. Though he gets up from a knockdown and still come back to win the fight, we were happy. We enjoyed that fight. You know, it was it was an awesome fight. And they go on to talk about how that really opened the door for Marcos Maidana. After that, he had the the really good, great fight against Amir Khan, which he got up off the canvas again in the first round and came close to stopping Khan in that fight. And uh, then, you know, he had other victories. <clears throat> but there was also the uh, decision loss to Devin Alexander. And I didn't know this, but apparently Maidana considered retiring after that fight. And his manager decided that what Marcos needed was to change trainers. And with that, they called in Robert Garcia. His manager contacted me and he told me, you know, that Chino Maidana was actually thinking of retiring. He didn't have the fire anymore, but that he thought the only way to get him excited about fighting was changing his training camp. He's a fighter that, you know, 20 years of his career never taught right. So two years that I've been with him, just the, the little changes, him using his jab a little more, moving his head a little more. And the fact that he just loves to fight, he, he, he's not afraid of nobody. I'm Mexican and, and that's what I like in a fighter, you know. I like a fighter that has heart and is not scared to get hit. And so far it has been a uh, successful pairing with Robert Garcia, Robert Garcia sorry, and Marcos Maidana. Uh, Maidana's won three straight fights, all of them by knockout. And right now they are facing the biggest test of Maidana's career in Adrian Broner. Speaking of Broner, we cut back to him in Cincinnati. Uh, we see him with his children. And then we see something 
from, I believe, 11 years ago. It's from CBS's The Early Show, and when this was uh, playing during the show, they didn't indicate what it was from at first, and I was kind of confused about what I was hearing, but we're going to see a very young Adrian Broner, or rather hear him, on CBS's The Early Show. A few miles from the ballparks and five-star hotels is a side of Cincinnati, Ohio, visitors rarely see. In Mount Auburn, fighting is a way of life. What do you think you guys would be doing if you weren't here in the gym boxing? A lot of bad things. Like what? I, trying to rob people, trying to break the cars. Oh, come on. So You're I, joking with me. You would not be doing that. Probably. You think? Probably if you hang around some of the people like that, you probably will. In fact, I didn't know this. But Broner did spend uh, close to a year in jail on armed robbery charges, I believe they said in the episode. And uh, he was later acquitted, but uh, he missed out on a lot. And he even missed the birth of his firstborn son, which he uh, he deeply regretted. If I was convicted of, of those charges, I probably wouldn't be here today. I'll probably still be in jail. I don't say I made a 360. I say I made a 720. I'm going to be dead honest with you. I have no idea what the hell he's talking about when he says something like that. I'm not going to say I made a 360. Well, of course not. That means that you would have made a circle and been right back where you started. So he's saying that he didn't make that, he made a 720, which is, you know, 360 times 2, which means he made two circles, both times ending up back where he started. It's, it's like you're trying too hard to sound smart, and when you speak, all you do is just confirm to people that you're not smart at all. That's where I think we should end this episode, really. I mean, like, the podcast, anyway. There, there's more to the episode, but it's kind of the same. Broner talks a lot and is flashy in training. Maidana doesn't like Broner because he feels Broner disrespected him. There's another episode after this. I might cover that in the next podcast, but let's get to my prediction for this fight. This is your uh, classic boxer versus puncher matchup. And a lot of people aren't going to uh, be favoring Maidana. And I'm one of them. I don't think that he's going to be able to handle the speed of Adrian Broner. I do think that he may... He may have the ability to hurt him. But Broner is going to be smart enough to know this... And that he'll be able to move in and out of position so that he can, so that Maidana can swing and miss, and Broner will be able to capitalize on that and counterpunch. I'm expecting Adrian Broner to win with a score of 116 to 112, eight rounds to four. He will retain his welterweight title. Maybe finally after that, he can have a showdown with Robert Guerrero. I remember. Uh, a year ago that those two had a confrontation and they don't like each other so maybe that can finally happen it would be a good fight for Robert Guerrero we haven't seen him since his loss to Floyd Mayweather 
and haven't heard much about uh, anything happening with him, so let's see if that fight can be made. Anyway, that's my prediction for Broner versus Maidana, or Danger Zone. Don't they know you're in the Danger Zone? Anyway, that's our show for you this week. We hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Boxing for Free podcast. You can find us at www.boxingforfree.com, twitter.com slash boxingforfree, youtube.com slash boxingforfree, and facebook.com slash boxingforfree page. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Zoom, and Podbean, and several other podcast directories. If you use iTunes, please give us feedback and a rating to let everyone know that Boxing for Free podcast is your source for boxing news and commentary. I'm Andrew Schweitzer. Thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in next time. Lana. 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 Lana! What? Danger Zone.